Hi, I'm Shreya Bakliwal and this is Women Who Build Podcast. Imagine one day Rita from a tier 2 city in India wakes up to realize that a friend of hers has thyroid cancer. Now she gets perplexed as for her, thyroid alone is a major task to handle. With cancer added to thyroid, she doesn't know where to take her friend, which doctor to consult, and most importantly, what are her friend's chances? Now, how many of you can name more than 5 types of cancers? The hard truth is that there are about 100 different types of cancers, and cancer is also one of the most complex diseases in the world to date. Doctors claim that early detection and awareness of the right treatment to avail are the most important factors that can help control the spread of the disease. Now limited awareness is exactly what Rashi Jain was plagued with when her father-in-law was detected with cancer a few years ago. Overwhelmed with her experience of figuring out the best treatment to secure or the best diet plan to make, she launched onco.com. the world's first patient centric cancer care management platform rashi jain is the co-founder and ceo at onco.com she is an engineer from iit kanpur and a business major from the wharton school rashi's professional experiences have mainly centered around the healthcare industry and her first encounter with cancer was when she was leading the product launch of a breast cancer drug for the us market at biocon Now without further delay I have Rashi for you. Hi Rashi, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi Shreya, it's a pleasure. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. It's a it's one of those busy Saturdays uh so <laughs> going fine. <laughs> Got it. So why don't you tell me what actually led you to start Onco? So uh, I'm an engineer by training and uh, it so happened that 11 years ago after I graduated from IIT um serendipitously i stayed in healthcare uh, industry in my different jobs so got an opportunity to study what was happening not just in india but in the world uh, in healthcare and uh, started getting a sense of all the different gaps that exist in the industry so you know uh, i think uh, i would say when i was at biocon uh, and i was actually a uh, project manager of a breast cancer drug and we were launching this drug for the US market i think that was the time when i started really thinking about how um, the disease cancer uh, is impacting um, patients not just in india but globally and what kind of options are available and there's so many opportunities to uh, do a startup in this domain um and while i was at business school i actually spent some time working with startups as an intern and that is when i really decided that okay this is something that i want to do as a full time career and took the plunge to start my own company right after botan and the reason i chose uh, the reason i chose cancer as a domain was also because of a personal reason my father in law had cancer and so as a family we had seen the struggle uh, of a patient of a family just just figuring out what to do next not knowing answers to many different questions uh, about disease about the outcomes that one can ex- uh, expect from the treatment so i had this vision of building a platform that will democratize information for cancer patients and i thought let's actually build a technology enabled solution around it and so that is how the journey started and um, you know uh, entrepreneurship i guess was 
to happen at some point. But uh, right after business school, I found that opening where I could take the plunge and get started. Yeah, that's uh, great that you had both the technical foundation and also a personal story that uh, could really push you to start Onco. So, um, Rashi, tell me what actually makes Onco unique. I want to know if there is any other product like Onco in the market, uh, maybe in India or even abroad. And not necessarily for cancer, but any other chronic disease, um, right? And how has Onco really differentiated itself? So fundamentally with Onco, what we're trying to do, Shreya, is we're trying to centralize care management for cancer patients, right? So the idea is that if you have cancer, there should be one place you can go to get the best advice on your treatment options from uh, specialists, from doctors from around the world. You should get all the information you need about where you can get this treatment and what it will cost. And once you have all that, you will. You should also have access to a care manager who's going to help you throughout your treatment journey. So if you look at if you look at what's happening in a journey for cancer patient today, there isn't any such care management available, care management service available in a traditional patient's journey. When you go to a hospital, you really do not have access to um, anyone outside of your local oncologist who would then recommend a treatment for you. And there's still a lot of chaos and uncertainty in a patient's journey. And we're basically basically trying to reduce that chaos by building a platform, which is a technology-enabled platform, that provides you access to all these resources centrally, no matter where you are. That that was something very unique about Onco's model. And we had, although we had seen this care management, uh, tech-enabled care management offering quite prevalent, uh, was quite prevalent in the US, we hadn't seen a lot of these options available to patients uh, for chronic diseases or for life-threatening diseases like cancer in India. So I would say that in many ways, Onco is the first company that's trying to do this for cancer patients. In the in the West, we have companies like Livongo and many others that are trying to create similar value for customers in other chronic disease segments like diabetes. And it has seemed to be uh, quite effective uh, in terms of creating better outcomes for the consumer, giving them more power in their own decision-making as to what treatment they should get, what treatment they shouldn't. And we wanted to bring that same experience in cancer in India. And we have been able to, because of the way we've built uh, the platform with the network of oncologists, hospitals, labs, community of patients, and then centrally uh, building a lot of technology to uh, to have seamless experience being delivered to the patient from diagnosis to recovery. Wow, that's amazing. You have really differentiated Onco in terms of uh, setting it up as a one-stop destination, right? For everything related to cancer. Amazing. Um, so why don't you tell me how does an entrepreneur really build conviction or uh, validate idea that is very unique or, you know, never tried out before? So I think uh, conviction um, has to come on two things. One is that you want to have entrepreneurship as a career, you want to go after entrepreneurship as a career. That's one thing for which a lot of, it takes a lot of, I would say, it takes a lot of uh, uh, courage to take that plunge, especially when there's so much ambiguity when you're starting out. So that's one domain. And then, of course, finding the right idea, finding the right opportunity. If you if you think you have, some, you have a big enough problem that you can chase, 
that helps you build conviction. But what I've seen is that the majority of uh, aspiring entrepreneurs, the biggest leap that they have to make is the leap uh, of actually uh, deciding to leave their jobs, deciding to pursue entrepreneurship full time. Um, and I think the conviction comes from this big drive that you want to create something out of nothing. You want to create value. You want to create, you want to solve a big problem that will in turn help in generating a lot of social impact. And uh, the kind of impact that you can create in a job versus the kind of impact that you can create as a founder, there's a, there's a significant uh, difference uh, uh, in between the two. And the conviction just comes from just creating more value in the short duration of time that, uh, that you will be pursuing your business. Uh, with regards to identifying the right idea, I think that could, everyone has different approaches. And uh, for some people, I think, who, are, who, who decide to do their startups after working for some time, they obviously have, a, have some industry experience. They already have some understanding of a certain function. So for them, it's very easy to basically identify a problem in that specific industry and start from there. Uh, for, for people who are starting out right after college, uh, I think for them, finding the right idea itself can take some time. And as you narrow in on what you want to do, I think your conviction increases, right? Yeah, totally. Now, talking about how Onco is creating an impact, right? Um, as you rightly said, you need to figure out the problem that you want to solve for and the impact that you really want to create as a founder. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about how Onco is making an impact uh, in terms of the product that it has created and how has your product journey really been so far from MVP to a scaled up version of Onco? Sure. So when we started out, we basically wanted to build a platform where patients can get right treatment advice. So even if you have met an oncologist and you're not sure if this is the right treatment for you, there should be one platform where you could get some kind of validation from experts in that cancer. So when we started out, uh, we, we started offering a service where we would provide an, a detailed opinion from a multidisciplinary panel of oncologists. So no matter where you were, you could come to Onco's website, you could log in, you could upload your medical reports, and then we would assign a team of uh, a senior oncologists who specialize in your case, and they will collaboratively provide detailed treatment guidance that you can study, that you can understand, uh, um, take it to your local oncologist if required. And once you have that conviction, okay, this is the right treatment for you, get started on your treatment with confidence. So that is how the journey started. And then we saw a lot of patients coming back to us and saying, hey, you know what, uh, this is really helpful. Thank you so much for telling what, what is the treatment that I should, uh, I should take, but can you also guide me on how I can get started on this? I'm not sure who's the right doctor for me. I'm not sure how much it will cost. Can you help me basically manage this entire treatment journey? And that is when we realized that patients not only need advice, they actually need a little bit of handholding. And that led us to uh, start a new uh, set of offerings where we would also help them connect with the right doctors in their preferred location. And then once they have, the, once they have that local treating team, they have a support of a care manager who they can engage with as the treatment progresses. 
So from from a second opinion platform to a platform that made discovery and connects with the right doctors possible to now, uh, Onco has evolved into an end-to-end care management platform where we offer all kinds of services to cancer patients, be it on the medical side or on nutrition and care. Uh, we provide them timely interventions on the treatment that they're getting, the side information on how to cope with side effects, uh, answers to all the technical questions that they face during the treatment journey, and access to a medical team 24-7 that allows them to always uh, feel empowered in their treatment journey. Yeah, so Rashi, it would be interesting to really understand how to make product decisions, right? Uh, so when these customers were coming to you with suggestions or requests for introducing XYZ features, then how did you really decide on which feature to introduce and which one not to introduce? Yeah, so I'll answer that question, uh, taking a step back and uh, back in sort of like really about the approach one should follow when you're trying to build something as a startup and prioritizing what you need to build in your product. I think... Uh, the, the first thing that you need to do is you need to really, really talk to your customers, right? Hmm. So the first 10 or 20 customers that you serve are probably uh, going to be your partners in many ways because they are going to educate you on what worked, what didn't work, what challenges they face, what, what they really want you to do. So that is exactly what happened with us when we started Onco.com and we started offering online opinions, um, I used to make it a point to speak with all our customers as a founder. I would call them up, get their feedback, have conversations with them to understand how could it, how could we have done a better job? And they started giving us a lot of advice on, okay, hey guys, this is something that I found really, really useful. This is something that it's it's a good to have, but you know, it's okay. I mean, I, I already have a lot of support in this domain. Uh, could you also uh, provide this particular service? So that really helped, and that sort of became our north star in many ways in understanding what to build first, what to build later, and the progression of features uh, is very critical. Like I think a lot of tech founders make this mistake of building a complete comprehensive app, and mm-hmm. then hoping that uh, their consumers will use it. But ultimately, the identifying the MVP and knowing exactly what is the first thing that you need to build. Uh, is critical and there's no other way of getting that answer except from your own customers. That, that is a culture that we have even today, although now we're a very big organization, we have thousands of customers we're serving every month, but still uh, we make it a point, I make it a point myself to speak with our customers, at least a few of them, every month to get their feedback and understand what we could do better. And I think this this is really one one thing that has allowed us to always stay stay true to the need of the customer. Yeah, and speaking of customers, um, in a consumer internet company as yours, how does one get the first customer and what is the retention strategy that one can follow? And if you could just talk us through what has really worked in your case, then that'll be great. I mean, for us, it was easy to get our first customer because we were solving a very big problem, right? There is uh, cancer impacts 3 million patients in India every year. And uh, it's a big need. People who get diagnosed with this disease are struggling, uh, just battling, figuring out uh, what to do next. And it's uh, given that it's the decisions that they're taking 
impact uh, outcomes so significantly. They are very open to trying out anything out there that's available. So even though we were a startup, we had just started out. The need was so huge that our patients, our first few customers were absolutely open to trying us out if that we could create value in their lives. So first customers, it was very easy to find them. It was very easy to uh, uh, get them to use our product. That was not an issue. And I think that's, that's, that's one good, uh, I would say, um, you know, when you're thinking about an idea and you're not sure where to start, I think going after a big problem, going after a real problem that impacts millions of people is, is always a good strategy because then it's very easy to get your first few customers and learn from them and build a, build a product that keeps on improving over time. So that's exactly what we did. Hmm, interesting. And since you guys were new and nobody had really done this before, how did you bring in the element of credibility? Seems like your customers were ready to try you guys out, but how did you really bring in credibility to reach scale or to reach the masses? Yeah, I, I always say that it's the people who build the company, right? And we were very clear that if you're doing something in cancer, we need to hire some of the best subject matter experts to be part of our team who know what they're doing, who come with that experience. So my co-founder, who's an oncologist, he and myself, between the two of us, we understood the industry really well. My co-founder being a doctor, he uh, was able to help us uh, you know, build our network of oncologists in India. And then when we started building our executive team, we started hiring a lot of uh, people who were subject matter experts, uh, again, who knew what the patient journey is like, who were doctors, who were engineers, who had built health tech products. And so uh, our initial team of 20 people, although we were just a startup, was actually a power-packed team of individuals who understood quite a lot about this domain. And that allowed us to build a lot of credibility with the patient. And ultimately, credibility, eventually, the litmus test of credibility is lies in the feedback the customer gives you once he or she uses your service because if they like it, then they will go out and recommend it to other patients and what if out this really, really powerful way of building credibility for any any young startup. So we made it a point that every customer who came to us, we, we went above and beyond our way to offer them the best services. And then uh, clearly word of mouth worked and we had a lot more patients coming in uh, knowing that we had created value in people who were referring them to Onco. So I think word of mouth is important. Uh, and so uh, making sure your customer experience is great is important to build credibility. And the second thing is that you've got to have a good team, especially if you're doing something as complex as this. You need to have subject matter experts in your company who are working with you as a founder to build products that really, really impact the lives of people. So Rashi, tell me, when you started out, what were some roadblocks that you faced? Yeah, so, you know, when you start a company, there are quite a lot of roadblocks you face as an entrepreneur, partly because you have limited capital and you don't have proof of concept. So I think one of the biggest challenges for us was, uh, because this is pre-VC, we hadn't raised VC funding, so the biggest challenges for us was, okay, how do we get to proof of concept? Uh, where do we allocate the limited capital that we have? Um, and how do we how do we basically validate the hypothesis that we have? So these are these are very hard problems, really. And roadblocks are just there because you 
you're solving a hard problem with limited capital, with limited resources, and you just have to be very, very uh, particular about how you want to, what experiments you want to do, what, um, how you want to prove prove the hypothesis that you have. So that, that was, I think, the biggest roadblock, just figuring out in the limited duration of time with limited resources and limited capital, how do you get to proof of concept? Um, apart from that, I think uh, when you're starting to build a consumer internet business, especially a marketplace business like Onco, you, you have to build a big network. Uh, so you need to have uh, a big supply to generate demand. And it's always a chicken egg problem. Uh, you can't really get a lot of supply if there is no demand and you can't really get a lot of customers that is demand if you don't have a big enough supply, right? So I think with the whole consumer internet uh, uh, supply demand, uh, I would say, uh, like the, the way, how do, you, how do you go about building it? I think that was really hard to crack, but eventually you learn that, okay, you have to have a small supply, then you, with that supply, you start getting your first few customers. With that, you keep on building more of your supply. So I think that's, that's how it goes, and that's another big roadblock. I mean, to get started, to get from zero to one is hard here. I think apart from that, just getting like-minded people to believe in your vision, to join your company, uh, when you can imagine that smart people have so many different opportunities to choose from, not compromising on the quality of people you want to have in your early team, but at the same time, making them excited enough to take a bet on you, and the vision as the vision that you have as a founder, I think these are some of the roadblocks, which I guess every founder faces and you just have to take the plunge. You just have to take them head on and hopefully, hopefully solve them. Yeah, it's an interesting mix of problems that our listeners can already start to think about if they want to be in the consumer internet space. Now, jumping on to the funding side, um, I think it would be very helpful for our listeners to really know how does one choose the right investor? Yeah, so an investor is essentially, I would say, a co-founder in many ways. Because when building a company is a long journey and you'll go through ups and downs, you'll go through many different phases, you'll need to take many important strategic decisions. And it's really important to have that chemistry, that uh, comfort with your board member, with your investor. Um, when you are going through these phases, uh, their role becomes very critical. Although they are not operationally involved, they are an advisor. They are that uh, third party that's that's there for you, founders, to bounce off your ideas against and get the right, take the right decisions. So I look look at an investor, especially uh, the, the the investor who will sit on our board um, as our co-founder in many ways and. Um, having that mutual respect at the beginning of the journey is very important. Like if someone is writing your term sheet, it's very important to understand who from that fund is going to be the one who will actually engage with you guys on a monthly or a weekly basis. And whether that person likes you, believes in you, and whether you feel the same way for them or not. Uh, again, there are no straightforward answers to this, uh, but yes, uh, I think it's, it's critical to get this part right. And then, Speaking generally of the fund, I would say that having funds that have had some successes before helps because uh, they have a lot of learnings from other portfolio companies that you, through them you have access to and uh, you can 
avoid making a lot more mistakes. I mean, you can you can you can avoid making mistakes um, if you if you have that kind of support and guidance. So bigger fund usually helps in that sense. Great. So the right investors are almost like your co-founders. Hmm. Now you guys have recently received Series A funding. So tell me, what do the next steps look like for Onco? I mean, it's it's very simple. We have to just keep on serving more customers. Um, every month we are growing at fifteen percent. What that means is that we are serving fifteen percent more customers every month. And the simple goal that we are following is that every single day we have to do better than the last day. We have to reach out to more and more cancer patients, not just in India, across the world. So it's pretty simple. I mean, we have the funding, we have the right team in place, and uh, all we need to do is keep on. Um, providing these services to as many customers as we can. We have a few free services as well. And so we really believe in this philosophy that even if a customer is not paying for a service, but still if we can add value in their life, we still want to serve them and we still want to uh, offer them some of the free services that we have and make sure that we can help them in any possible way. So that's the goal. Like uh, next couple of years, keep on reaching out to more patients, more family members, not just in India across the world and keep on growing awesome cannot wait to see onco grow outside of india as well now let's talk about diversity in the workplace tell me how onco has hired people so far sure so today we have i think around 45 percent 46 percent of our workforce is women and 54 percent of our workforce is men and so it's a very healthy ratio and i mean more importantly uh, I, I feel like we've done a good job in terms of breaking some gender stereotypes we have quite a lot of uh, engineers in our um, tech team wow. who are women yeah. um so yeah i think out of uh, out of the entire team i think 30 percent of the tech workforce is women and then we have and then we have uh, uh, in our hr team we have men so wow. um <laughs> so yeah so the philosophy that we have as a company when we're recruiting candidates is very simple we need to get the best out there the best person who will get the job done. Uh, we really do not have these false um, sort of uh, criteria of having certain number of seats allocated to women or certain kinds of uh, people. No, absolutely not. Uh, may the best person get the job is the philosophy. And we've done that, but at the same time, we have uh, very consciously uh, made that decision that we will be gender agnostic in our approach towards uh, talking to uh, uh, candidates and we will not let those biases come in and guess what with this very neutral approach we have been able to get to a healthy gender ratio in terms of recruiting so that clearly uh, sort of validates this theory that you actually do not need um, to have these artificial constructs like you need to have certain kind of women in your organization and all of that it's not needed if you are being absolutely meritocratic and if you're ensuring that as a recruiter you are not bringing in your own biases towards women or men which are more stereotypical you can actually build a very healthy uh, gender ratio in your organization without artificially trying for it so you're very proud of that and I, I think the kind of people we have in the company really we do not look at men or women differently at all yeah i absolutely agree with that and you know most founders that i've spoken to also agree that they hire based only on merit and I really like how the narrative in the startup ecosystem is set like this. Now, moving on to the fun stuff. 
what do you like to do when you're not working on onco uh, in a, a week i at least take one day off where i'm not uh, working it's very hard because you are always as a founder thinking about uh, thinking about the things you need to get done but i try to keep my sundays off and i like um, i like watching uh, tv series quite a lot i i read quite a lot i read uh, i try to finish two books a month and uh, before the lockdown i think uh, my husband and i we used to be we used to go out outdoors once a while uh, on a trek or something that's completely stopped so in this new lockdown uh, i think it's mostly just reading books just watching some tv catching up with friends but basically having a life outside of work uh, also exercise is very important and uh, one thing that i started doing i think in my first year so i think uh, 2018 is uh, when i started doing yoga very regularly wow. um, partly because i felt that you know as a founder you were just so stressed all the time and um, i felt that maybe with yoga there could be some uh, i mean you'll be able to feel more peaceful and it's worked wonders for me uh, apart from keeping me fit it also is a great way to uh, de-stress your day and uh, that is something that i continue doing even during the lockdown you are still managing to do quite a lot i must say and that's pretty cool now as i have been speaking to more and more founders what they actually tell me is that building emotional resilience is key to staying sane as a founder so how do you keep yourself emotionally resilient it's very hard uh, i'll not uh, sugarcoat the answer i yeah. think it's probably the hardest part of being a founder uh, you go through crazy phases in your company's journey and sometimes it can be very very stressful uh it's not just stressful because of the way business is doing or because of how hard the job is it's sometimes stressful because it's it's a profession that's uh, that requires you to deal with a lot of people uh you, their problems become your problem whatever is happening in your team members life affects you uh, whatever is happening in your customers life affects you for example we are a cancer cancer company and as part of my job i speak with a lot of cancer patients which could take a toll um mm. so i think the only answer to this is that you should have a life outside of your startup you should seek a lot of support from your family uh, you should try to it's very very hard but you should try to uh compartmentalize um you know some of your some of your tasks some of your chores that you do on a weekly basis which are outside of uh your work um and derive just a lot of strength from family i think there's no other way and it's going to be extremely tough the answer is that if you are if you're a founder you're going to have a way more stressful life than if you were just doing a job and if you need some kind of uh, mental support you should go for it like i i know that in our country people don't talk a lot about depression and all these things and but i i also know for a fact that a lot of founders are depressed um and you know just because of the nature of the profession either through your family or through through your friends or through your professional help some way or the other you should you should make sure that you talk about it and you make you you feel your feel better from inside yeah and i can only imagine how hard it must be for you since your customers are cancer patients themselves um but i'm sure you sail through and you're doing an incredible job with onco Thank you so much for your time Rashi. I thoroughly enjoyed our chat today. It was wonderful to learn how you've built Onco and the strategies that you've used. Um thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
It's wonderful talking to you. Thank you.